0: Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We We are a Messianic Jewish synagogue. We worship on Shabbat, Friday evening, Saturday. We believe Yeshua is Adonai and Messiah. And we connect our faith together with our Jewish life. And we think that Jewishness and Yeshua worked well together. Now some people think Jewishness is not compatible with faith in Messiah. Some Christians think this. And some Jews think this. But we know the two go together. Perfectly. Now, some Christians think that all things Jewish are quote, under the law, and that they're incompatible with faith in Messiah. Have you ever come in contact with someone who questions, do you still believe in the Messiah if you're coming to a Jewish synagogue, a Messianic Jewish synagogue? Maybe you've had that experience. But this idea that all things Jewish are, quote, under the law, it's not, it's not correct. Because you can look at Messiah himself. He lived as a Jew, and the Scripture says that he worshipped in the synagogue, and he was there every Saturday, and read from Torah and from the prophets. And, and I've heard people say, yes, but that was before the cross, But to that we would point to the Apostle Paul who had the exact same custom of being in synagogue every Shabbat. It was his habit to be in Shabbat and he especially loved being in Shabbat for the Torah service on Saturday. For the time of the public reading of the Torah, the five books of Moses, and additional readings from the prophets. And the writings that, that went along with the Torah. And so Paul and Yeshua two key figures. They were in synagogue on Shabbat so if you think being, if someone tells you that doing something Jewish is against uh, faith in Yeshua, you just tell them that they should talk to Paul about his habit, <laughs> his custom because they can, they can learn something Yeshua and Paul had the regular habit of being at the Torah reading service every Saturday. So, Jewishness itself does not mean being under the law. It doesn't mean being legalistic or self-righteous. However, we have to ask this question, why does Paul, the Apostle Paul, have to correct the Galatians about how they think about Torah and the commands of of the Torah. And the simple answer if you read the book of Galatians is this, the Galatians started right but then they went off course. So I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at just a few verses tonight. And we'll be using David Stern, Dr. David Stern's translation that is found in the Jewish New Testament, and in the complete Jewish Bible. The complete Jewish Bible uses his translation for the Tanakh, the original Jewish scriptures, as well as Habrit HaKadoshah, the New Covenant scriptures, where the Jewish New Testament is just the New Covenant scriptures, uh, according to his translation. So you can compare Stern's translation to your own, But no matter how you look at it, Galatians 3 verse 1 is is written with strong words. Here's how Stern renders it. You stupid Galatians. Who has put you under a spell? Now some translations say foolish. Any other nice words? Yes, yes I, all, that. all that. So he, he starts this part of his letter with a real rebuke. He, he is getting their attention, I believe. Who's put you under a spell? How could you be so foolish? And he continues, Before your very eyes, Yeshua the Messiah was clearly portrayed as having been crucified, having been put to death as a criminal because crucifixion was reserved for criminals. Verse 2, I want to know from you just this one thing. So this is a question. Paul's writing a question. Did you receive the Spirit of God by legalistic observance of Torah commands or by trusting in what you heard and being faithful to it? Then verse 3. Are you that stupid? Having begun with the Spirit's power, do you think you can reach the goal under your own power? Oh, this is a key idea. Under your own power. And I want you to understand, Paul is not saying, what are you doing Jewish things for? Because Paul's doing Jewish things. And what scriptures is Paul reading to everybody? The Jewish scriptures, right? Paul is a Jew. And he's communicating as a Jew in a Jewish way. Now this is not necessarily good advertising. You don't build mega churches this way. But you can build a congregation And rebuild a congregation and correct a congregation that can keep being faithful and can go from generation to generation to generation if you talk like this. It will not win people who want their ears tickled. Or who want to just hear an uplifting word. Well, I I was at the congregation in Galatia this week and man... Somebody got up, one of the elders got up and he read a letter from Paul who called us stupid. (laughs) I'm never going back there. See, there's a risk. There's a risk when you talk bluntly that people will misinterpret both your motive and your purpose. Paul knows something. There's a proverb that says that that You shouldn't rebuke a foolish person because they will turn back on you. So Paul is using strong words, but he is hoping the people are not foolish, that they'll actually hear and they'll change their attitude and they'll wise up, if you will. Are you that stupid? Are you that stupid? Or maybe you're more stupid. (laughs) Are you that stupid having begun with the power of the spirit of the living God? Do you really think that you can reach the goal, the, the, the purpose of everything under your own power? That's what he's asking. Under your power? Yes or no? Serious question. Verse 4, have you suffered so much for nothing? If that's the way you think, if that's the way you think, your suffering certainly will have been for nothing. Verse 5, what about God? Who supplies you with the Holy Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it because of your legalistic or self-righteous observance of Torah commands? Or because you trust in what you heard and are faithful to it. Verse 6, it was the same with Avraham. He trusted in God and was faithful to him. And that was credited to his account as righteousness. So you have this key idea. Are you trusting in your own power? You think you can do this under your own power or under God's power? That's the question. And then this other key idea, Abraham trusted in God and was faithful to him. That's as far as I want to go in Galatians. The rest is really interesting and just as provocative. In fact, you find Paul over and over again having to correct congregations that get off on either extreme of thinking there is no law from God of any kind. Or the other extreme, thinking that they can keep the law of God in such a way that they are now righteous and they can be self-righteous. And Sometimes they're going in that direction, and sometimes they're going in that direction. And so he's got to deal with it regardless of which direction it is. And do you know when you, when you tackle one side, you can, some of your friends will really like you. But when you tackle the other side, those same friends may not like you anymore. And that's the risk of dealing with both extremes. But that's the job. So let's make sure the idea is clear. We can move away from authentic faith when we start trusting in our own righteousness, and that is what self-righteousness is. Self-righteousness means we're trusting in ourself for our righteousness. And we can start with authentic faith, we can start with genuine repentance. We can start with, with a real experience with God and then we can move in a direction of self-righteousness. Some people become self-righteous because they, they focus on Torah in a legal way that misses the greatest commandments. Other people can become self-righteous because they and their community of faith develops a set of rules and regulations that they've cherry-picked for themselves that they think are uh, supreme. And then they, they live up to their rules and they judge everybody else according to their own rules. So you don't have to be Jewish to be self-righteous. In, in fact, true Jewishness is not self-righteous. It's trusting in God. If you're self-righteous, you actually don't need Messiah. You may believe in him, but you don't need him because you've got things you can do that will substitute for his atoning sacrifice. If you're self-righteous, you don't actually need the Holy Spirit, though you may sometimes believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't need the Holy Spirit because you can do the things that are necessary all by yourself. Now one temptation is to find your righteousness in yourself and the ways you keep Torah. Let me say it again. Anyone can move away from authentic faith when they find righteousness in themselves and, and the way they keep Torah. Now, I'm a Jew. I grew up as a Jew. And when I came to faith in Yeshua, and it was not Yeshua, I didn't even know his Hebrew name at the point. I knew it was Jesus. Later I learned, you know, his Hebrew name which one person said, it wasn't his Hebrew name, it was just his name. That actually helped me. That helped me a lot. You know, because some people think Yeshua is the Hebrew way of saying Jesus. It's not. Jesus is another way of saying Yeshua. Very different. But I grew up as a Jew, and, and for me, living as a Jew was normal going, going on Friday night for Shabbat, on Saturday for Shabbat. This was what Jews did, and the idea of fellowshipping with other believers in the Messiah on Sunday seemed strange to me. And I can't say it felt kosher. It just seemed strange. But I, I adapted the ways that were necessary in order to have fellowship. And uh, when I became a member of the Messianic movement, part of the Messianic movement, and found a community to be part of that, that worshipped in a Jewish way on Erev Shabbat and Yom Shabbat. And I remember attending And remember, this all happened while I was a pastor in a (laughs) non-denominational congregation. I was a Jew, fully Jewish, trying to figure out how to make things work and pass things on and so forth. But I'm still in a non-Jewish congregation at that point. But I'm attending a Messianic congregation. Eventually, you know, I had to decide where would I keep both feet And I remember when I quit my job. Yeah. So I could be a member of a Messianic congregation because you can't have the job of pastor in a congregation and be attending another congregation all the time because that's where you feel you fit in and belong. And so after I quit, and the only congregation we were attending was a Messianic congregation meeting on Shabbat, I had these faint moments of guilt on Sunday morning. Because I'd wake up and I'd think, where am I supposed to be? And I'd turn to Sandy and she'd say, in bed. That's where I'm supposed to be. I didn't need to be somewhere else. And so I had to get adjusted to... uh, what had been my habit and what I was born into and what was so familiar, I had to get adjusted again to that. Not to the idea of Shabbat. That never left me. Nor the idea of reading the whole scriptures. You know, I wasn't one of those people who forgot the Tanakh. To the contrary. Nor to the idea of keeping Passover, Yom Kippur, and so forth, or Sukkot, uh, I, I, never, I never left those. They just didn't fit in. I was an oddball where I was. But I can tell you this. I don't have the temptation that I feel some people have, which is to feel that if you keep Shabbat, which is normal, that now you're more righteous than the ones that worship on Sunday. And I would say God made Shabbat for us. And as Jews, it's normal. You know. And for all that are joined to the Jewish people, it's normal. And I don't have to sit in judgment of those that do it a different way in order to justify myself. And here's why. I don't have to justify myself. Yeshua justifies me. Amen. You get it? Self-righteousness is really justifying ourselves before people. And when we're doing that, we're not actually justified before God. Now I can explain and I have to explain in in many places. I've been all over the world having to give explanations to people that either didn't know or didn't want to agree um, about Yeshua about Messianic Judaism, but I'm happy to give an explanation without giving condemnation. Anyone can move away from authentic faith when they find righteousness in themselves. And the way they keep Torah. The way they keep Torah. Now here's where I'm taking a risk. (laughs) And this is by being blunt. But if Paul can say stupid, and my mother said never say stupid, you know, to my sister's. I don't know if she told them that (laughs) about me. but The fact that someone keeps Torah, calling themselves Torah observant can actually be a symptom of having become self-righteous and having become confident in the way they keep Torah. Because if someone says, I keep Torah, you know what it immediately provokes in me? Do you really keep Torah? Really keep Torah? According to according to because I'm thinking of Jewish friends and family who would use this term, you know, that they're keeping Torah. Their shomer Torah. And I know what they mean. And so I'm thinking, okay, you really think you're keeping Torah? God will test you. And if you think keeping Torah means you've adopted or adapted enough Jewish customs to satisfy yourself, I would say, well, that's not what keeping Torah means. Uh, When someone says, I keep Torah, it's often a sign that they're moving in their heart away from the one who keeps them without even recognizing it. And this is why Paul is so, is so strong in his language and he says, you stupid Galatians! How do you come under the spell? What happened to you? You started with the power of the Holy Spirit, remembering. Remembering that Messiah was crucified like a criminal, and you put your trust in him because you knew what was he doing for you. And now you've forgotten that, and you think, oh, you can do some of these Jewish things in such a way, you know, from our scriptures, you can do them in such a way that now you're righteous. What on earth has happened to you? When someone says, I keep Torah, it's a way of measuring themselves regarding righteousness. I keep Torah, so that means I have righteousness. Now you don't hear that language from me. I'm not a person who gets up here and says, I keep Torah. And yet I love the Scriptures. And I take seriously the commands of God and the authority of God. The reason I don't use that term is because the people who use it have lost sight of what it actually means. It has a meaning in the Jewish world. Now, here's the problem. Even in the Jewish world, it has a meaning that goes against what we're talking about. Because those who say in the Jewish world they keep Torah, they are not They are neither filled with the Holy Spirit nor putting their trust in Messiah. I believe when someone starts talking this way, I keep Torah and so forth, that they're on a slippery slope into self righteousness. And if you ask this question, can it happen in our community? Can it happen in our movement? Or is this a problem that was limited to Galatia? The answer is, it can happen. And one of the reasons it can happen is because it's difficult to recognize the symptoms of self-righteousness and even legalism in oneself. It's hard to diagnose. And certainly the proverb applies, uh, as, as the prophet said, the heart is wicked, and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It applies when we, when we think, when we think that we are keeping Torah this way. It's very difficult to recognize it in yourself. And Paul it, recognizes this in the Galatians who have not yet recognized it in themselves. Do you get that? You don't have to talk this way, as Paul is talking, to people who already recognize it. You don't say, you stupid Galatians. You say, wow, God brought you back, hallelujah. He poured out wisdom and grace upon you, hallelujah. You see, it's very difficult to recognize it in oneself. Maybe, in fact, that's why Paul uses strong words like stupid. Because that's what it takes to break through the self-righteousness associated with legalism. I think the self-righteousness actually um, manifests itself with legalism, not the other way. When people are looking for a way to justify themselves, they can become, they are self-righteous. They may be not content with their system, but they're already self-righteousness. We're to be delivered from this. All have sinned and gone astray. All. Now, here's some other symptoms. I'm glad I'm going away for a few weeks. Rabbi Uri. (laughs) Rabbi Uri is going to speak tomorrow on the same theme in a different way, but I think it'll be so useful. Uh, His his message tomorrow is going to be powerful and very useful. But I want to tell you about some other symptoms. Teaching other people to be Torah observant is a symptom because it takes the place of sharing the gospel of Yeshua and the salvation that comes from God. And Torah observant, that's a, that's a Jewish term that's been co-opted by some people who are associated with the Messianic movement, but I, I don't really know that they fully fit in to the Messianic movement, because what is at the center of the Messianic movement is the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. Amen. You move him out of the center, he's, it's not the Messianic movement anymore. anyway. It's another movement. So when we're teaching people to be Torah observant, that's what we want to to do with them. It will be at the expense of sharing the gospel of Yeshua and the salvation that comes from God. That's one symptom. Another symptom, emphasizing the use of Jewish customs and religious objects as a substitute or an alternative to the Holy Spirit. The Chabadniks. The Chabadniks believe that if you lay tefillin, it's like what um, evangelicals think the sinner's prayer will do for you, that you will be saved and you will be in heaven and have eternal life. If you can get someone to lay tefillin, then they will go to heaven, they will go with God, and they will have eternal life. And this is why the Chabadniks have made such a point of finding people Jewish men in particular, exclusively. Yeah, exclusively, because they, they will not intentionally lay tefillin on a non-Jew, and they won't lay tefillin on a woman. And if you don't have a Jewish mother, they won't lay tefillin on you. And so forth. But they actually have a teaching that that comes from Uh, the revelations of the Hasidic movement combining Oral Torah and uh, Kabbalah, that if you can lay tefillin on a Jewish man, then he will have eternal life. That's one of the foundational teachings. It's like uh, evangelical thought that if you can get someone to say, to repeat the sinner's prayer, then they will have eternal life if you just get that, as if that one action, regardless of any other sincere faith and faithfulness, is all that it takes. And and emphasizing the use of Jewish customs and religious objects as a substitute or an alternative to the Holy Spirit, I'm using those words very carefully because the Holy Spirit is necessary in order to bear witness of Yeshua, in the whole world. Yeshua said to his own disciples, wait until you receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, then you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, which include Jacksonville. Then. But he never said, hey, listen, you know, you gotta get your your tzitzit right and get your tefillin right and, and pick what kind of kippah you're going to wear, then you can be my witnesses. In, in the Jewish world today, the Orthodox Jewish world, there's raging debate whether a, a modern Orthodox Jew who wears a crocheted kippah is really Jewish. And those that wear velvet keepas, kippot, judge the ones that wear a crocheted kippah. And you might say, you've got to be kidding. I can tell you, they're deadly serious. Yeah, another symptom testifying to other people how halacha and Torah observance has made you a more spiritual person. And the last symptom, judging others by the Torah rules that you think you are keeping. Now my hope, very simple, my hope is that you won't fall into this temptation And you won't fall for the bait and switch. Do you know what I mean by bait and switch? It means you catch someone one way and then you trick them and switch the deal. Here's the bait and switch. You start under the power of the Holy Spirit with authentic faith and then you switch. Right? Authentic Jewish faith in Yeshua is the real thing, my friends. Don't accept any substitutes. Faith in Yeshua means recognizing why we need him and who he is. And living with him at the center. Yeshua said, not only did he die for us, he returned to heaven in order to send the Holy Spirit to us so that All could receive the Holy Spirit, not just a few. Now, I know by saying these things that somebody in the congregation or somebody who's listening by podcast is going to jump to conclusions and misinterpret what I'm saying because they'll, they'll think I'm saying I'm against Jewish things, And I started this whole message by saying there are people who are against Jewish things, who are wrong, because they misunderstand that Paul was a Jew, Yeshua was a Jew. I mean, this was one of the things I found out as a Jew that I didn't know that the New Testament Scriptures were written by Jews. I didn't know that. I thought they were written by Catholics. (laughs) And when I read in in the New Covenant scriptures, I mean I just started reading, it's like all the, the Jewish Hall of Fame is there. And if you don't know who those people are, you're know, like you don't know who Abraham is. Or you don't know who David is. I mean I recognize those guys. I was shocked that Jewish people were in the New Testament scriptures. I didn't know that. Because no one told me that until I was 21 years old. They told me other things. So if, if you think when I say calling yourself Torah observant means I hate Torah, then you misunderstand everything already. And you haven't examined my life and fruit over the last 40 years of faith. And you've jumped to conclusions. And the worst part is, they're the wrong conclusions. But if, if, you, if you pay close attention to what Paul says and try to put into words what Paul is saying, And if you see, does this apply to yourself? And then you take my explanation in order to help clarify in this situation, it could help you. And I was thinking, oh, my podcast numbers could go way down. Because I'm sure there are some people who are listening and even fans, but they're lost in confusion. So keep it straight. Love of God. Love of God's people. Say it simply to yourself, I love deny. I follow him. Because your ultimate trust is in him. Your salvation is only in him. Only in him. And if you don't like that and you used to like it, then I would just say you've left your first love. Come back. Come back to the first love. Get it back. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let's close with Aaron's blessing. <laughs> and, you know, what if you find yourself having crossed the line... talk to me. Talk to Rabbi Uri. We love the Lord. We love the Lord. We're good examples for you. And if you think we're not good examples, because we're not Torah observant the way you are, then already you need major surgery. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his own face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat shalom.